Welcome to a cinematic journey where we explore the themes, elements, and scenes of the films that we love. Exploring Christmas movies, my name is Peter Billingsley. My name is Nick Shank, pronounced like a prison knife but spelled differently, <laughs> of course. Uh, nothing says Christmas like homemade prison weapons. <laughs> you got that that's, right. That's our kind of our show here. So. <laughs> that's it. That makes me feel comfortable. That's our tone, maybe? That's right. Well, uh, today's movie almost never got made. It's based on a series of short stories that was taken from dozens of radio shows. A lot of people think the majority of this movie was shot in Cleveland, but no, it was mostly shot in Canada. Good old Canada, where the snow is. This was screened every Christmas at the Playboy Mansion for by your friend Hugh Hefner. I'm just kidding. <laughs> for, the, for the bunnies. Hugh loved this movie. Yes, he did. And the bunnies loved it as well, which is fantastic. Uh, it has some deleted scenes that sadly are lost forever. This was the first movie to air for 24 straight hours on a TV network. That's and exactly we, of right. course, are talking about A Christmas Story. Immediately, my feet began to sweat as those two fluffy little bunnies with the blue button eyes stared sappily up at me. Come down here so I can see you better. I just hoped that Flick would never spot him, as the word of this humiliation could easily make life at Warren G. Harding School a veritable hell. This is a family that's relatable, but you got a dad that's... Kind of a hothead. Yep. You got a sacrificing mom who never, she's last in line to eat, never seems to eat. A younger brother, uh, Randy, who, who really never eats and might even have an eating disorder. This is a time and place where life is not easy. It's, you know, uh, it's right after the depression, but our lead character, he has good friends for life. Um, you set up this, these kid codes and these taboos, which have real stakes in this world. And this is a world of old school boys, old school school right. and old school America. Your lead um, is a dreamer. He's young, but he has aspirations, he has dreams, and he kind of lives in his head. And he also is not only a dreamer, he's a nightmare. He imagines the worst of things and how they could go wrong as well. Right. And it's a little bit like his dad in a different way. That's right. He's a, a bit of a chip off the old block. So, I mean, that's that's the world that we're dealing with. And let's take a look at really what the central conflict of this movie is all about. I could feel the Christmas noose beginning to tighten. Maybe... What happened next was inevitable. Ralphie, what would you like for Christmas? Horrified, I heard myself blurted out. I want an official Red Rider Carbon Action 200 Rains Ball Air Rifle. No, shoot your eye out. Oh no, it was the classic mother BB gun block. <laughs> You'll shoot your eye out. That deadly phrase uttered many times before by hundreds of mothers was not surmountable by any means known to kiddom. But such was my mania, my desire for a Red Rider carbine, that I immediately began to rebuild the dike. <laughs> I was just kidding. Quickly changing tactics. Right. I guess I'd just like some Tinker Toys. I couldn't believe my own ears. Tinker Toys? She never buy it. BB guns are dangerous. I don't want anybody shooting his eye out. Right off the bat, we meet Ralphie Parker, who tells us exactly what he wants. And so I think the main question is... Is Ralphie ready to step into the next phase of his life? Is he, is he ready to handle a gun? And But it's really about, will he shoot his eye out? Yeah, he's yearning for something very special. And it's it's probably a little bit symbolic of an opportunity for him to grow up. It's a little more dangerous than the traditional toys that maybe kids want. And I have often referred to this movie as coming of age, right? Because it's kind of a series, it's almost like a gauntlet for Ralphie that he moves through, right? As we're going to see, there's hurdles and challenges that maybe represent more responsibility or things representative of adulthood. A lot of times in movies we have a scene where we kind of, the hero declares the mission or requests what it is. The central question's here. This movie does it early and often in the credit sequence. He's at the window. Ah, there it is. The holy grail of Christmas gifts, the Red Rider 200 shot range model air rifle. And the voiceover does a lot of the heavy lifting here, saying he's been trying to get his mitts on this thing for weeks, right. scheming and trying to do it. Then immediately afterwards, he's putting a commercial for Red Rider BB gun into a magazine and his mom saying, again, I want this gun. And in the first 30 minutes, it's like five times he's in essence declaring that he wants his BB gun. And I think at every opportunity, he's knocking on the door of wanting to be grown up and he's going to be pushing these boundaries. So Right. It's not just does he get the gun, it's can he handle it. Bob Clark and Gene Shepard. <laughs> this movie that got made almost never got made. And from a writer's point of view, because <laughs> uh, I have my life as pitching out movies, is 
I understand why this took 12 years to make. I mean, you look at it, so it's period, which is always a nightmare, 1940s. It's full of voiceover, which was out of vogue at this point. Yep. And in fact, the voiceover in this movie made it accessible again, uh, in a way. But not on the page. <laughs> not on the page. You've got a nine-year-old lead. You've yeah, got that's crazy not fantasy sequences. And they weren't making these movies th- this, at this point. The type of movies they were making at, you know, that were the popular movies while this was getting, you know, getting yeah. pitched to be made was... On Golden Pond, <laughs> An Officer and Gentleman, uh, Star movies. Trek Two, and the Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. Right. So this is, I mean, I would hate to pitch this thing. Yeah, I don't blame you. It does not check any, it's not sexy, it doesn't check any boxes, and I can see why. I think it was referred to as sweet, but not for us, thank you very much. Yeah, I mean, you could you could say it's like you hear like, it opens on a bunch of grubby kids running through grubby snow <laughs> with a voice of a guy, voiceover who sounds it was like, like he old. a lot. <laughs> yeah. It was like, oh, is he talking about? And so I, I think this would be a, uh, it's a very a hard, hard sell. Hard sell, absolutely. But it was, it was an interesting sell for the director. So Bob Clark was very close um, with Bob during shooting, and and he was really quite a mentor to me as life went on past that we remained very close. So he often would share stories. So he told me how he found Gene Shepard, who wrote. The source material and also was a very popular radio show host. He was driving to pick up a date. He was single at the time. He was flipping the channels on the car radio and he heard this voice that fans now know is obviously the narrator of the movie, but he had a radio show and he was telling these stories of growing up in the Midwest as a kid. And Bob was so captivated by this show on the radio. In his car. Yes, in his car driving that it was time for the date. He started circling the dates house waiting for the story to end it kept going and going and he refused to turn it off he was 45 minutes late because he stayed through the end of the story gene could tell it spin a long yarn sure and he declared in that moment he said i'm gonna make a movie with this guy i gotta find him and collaborate with him and i want to make a movie if that was now, she would have called, and he wouldn't have listened to that thing. <laughs> he would have right. been in trouble, and this movie would have never got made thank instead. god it was not so he's like where is he where is he what are you doing and he, that would have been over as you said, it, it nobody wanted to make this movie, and it was I think only after Bob had some success with Porky's, which a lot of people don't right. know you, he directed. You, yeah, you told me about this, and so what was the deal with the devil on Porky's uh, with, I, with Bob? I think it was like you know he had done that. It gave it had some box office. He was going to do then the sequel to that, which gave some validity to sort of now his power as a filmmaker. He had to throw his salary in. <laughs> to this movie to get it made and they didn't give him a lot of money i mean it was kind of a okay fine you've pestered us enough you can do it here's a little bit of money just get this done so you can do the rest of the movies for us that we want you to do right and so then bob had control over his movie so it was like i'll do your sequel you let me do my movie but let me do it my movie my way and i'll come back and make you a bunch yeah of money. and i think you know he had also said he was left alone i mean they didn't understand the movie nobody did just bob and gene did i think they knew what they were making so they were left completely alone uh one other nugget on bob clark um do yourself a favor and look up his imdb as a director because most directors you know whether for better or worse kind of are action guys or maybe comedy guys or sci-fi guys they kind of have a comfort zone and they make good movies in it maybe they bend out one genre in addition it happens with writers too i used to just be the clint eastwood guy right and so it was like and even when they wanted something like Clint Eastwood, they wouldn't ever think to send it to Clint Eastwood. They would, and I would. That's how the mule got me. <laughs> right. So you're kind of pigeonholed. And right. obviously you know you're capable of more, yeah, I but mean, the business doesn't see you that way. Now I write Christmas films. That's right. Now you're, you're going to become the Christmas There film. I am. But this dude did screwball comedy, did a movie called Loose Cannons with Dan Aykroyd and Gene Hackman. Absolutely. He did horror. He did Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things. He did Kids, Baby Geniuses. He did Rhinestone. He did sort of a skin flick and Porky's. He did a family Christmas movie and Christmas story. It's remarkable it that is, it, he just moved through every genre. I mean, a lot of actors, of course, as you know this, they, they don't want to play the same part twice or something similar, but directors do get stuck in that place. Completely. And this dude was like, oh, I already made that movie. I'm going over here. Yeah, he was all over the pea it's, patch. But it's, it's really unheard of. Like, it's, I can't think of another filmmaker who has that level of diversity of genre and tone um, in films, and I think he just would respond to something or like it or feel like I need to take this job. Um, but he dove in head first, and he certainly wasn't intimidated to cross over into other spaces. The fourth genre. You know, there's a set number of genre of movies, but 
Robert McKee, who is this film guru type of writing seminar guy, yeah. defined Christmas story as a new type of genre. Can you tell me about that? Because there's a great backstory of you seeing this firsthand. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's so interesting, right? So obviously this movie has a lot of voiceover. Um, and it has a, a unique style of voiceover that I think had never been done. So I was... Later in life, when I was trying to move behind the scenes, I was trying to educate myself as much as I could. And I was taking story seminars and things. And so I took Robert McKee's, I think it was Story Structure Seminar. It was he, three intense days. Th these are seminars where they they have they sell it out. It's a lot like of money. 2,000 people. That's yeah, right. It weeds out the the amateurs. <laughs> like it's, it's expensive enough where it's like you, you've got right, to be there. But you get some value out of it, right? At least I thought so going in. So I'm sitting there and he's going on and on about story and structure. And then he starts talking about genres. And I think he's like, you know, there's three known genres, like comedy, drama, tragedy, right? And- I don't care what they say. You can put every movie into these genres. He said, however, there is a fourth genre. Everyone sort of perks up and says, okay, this is interesting. And he says, it came in the form of a movie. And this movie has a unique form of voiceover where it's objective, meaning you can look back and be reflective, but it's also subjective where they're in the moment, in the scene with the movie. I'm thinking, okay, well, what movie is this? And he says, and the movie's called A Christmas Story. And I just kind of hold my head down. Does, he know, does he know you're no, there? No, I've never met the guy. He's you're in row 80. I, or I'm in row 80. I pay my fee. I'm there taking notes. You know, I'm a good young student trying to learn the other side of the film business. And um, you think of the moments like in the classroom where it's like, where's Flick? And he says, Flick, Flick who? That's my thought in 1940 in the movie. But then so much of it is, ah, oh, there it is. Reflecting back, the house on Old Cleveland Street. Like he's 30 years ahead looking back. So it's this weird mishmash. We've all gotten that gift that we hate, like a pink bunny suit, when we're really hoping to unwrap something a little more hefty, like a BB gun. Mm, that's right. And at Walmart, there's thousands of gifts that will help you find the perfect gift for everyone. Without a doubt. For example, they sell bowling balls. Which is so cool. I didn't. I just learned that today, that Walmart sells bowling balls. It's kind of a nice gift. They sell glasses, and they sell new lenses and glasses accessories in case mm -hmm. something happens. In case happens. something breaks. Yeah. Um, they also sell car accessories like hubcaps um, up to from 14 to 17 inches. Hmm. Yeah, what about tires? They sell tires in case you got a, something goes wrong. Yeah, or don't drag around that nasty old tire in your, the back that you've used with a, what do they call it, a donut? Yeah. You know, like that little one, get yourself a, a real tire in case something goes wrong. Get four new tires. Yeah, get yourself a whole set of tires. I think it's a nice thing. Tires are good. Absolutely. While you're at it, why don't you get some outdoor decorations? Yeah, Walmart's got that too. Yeah, so you can go to walmart.com or go to the app. Go to the app and get all of this Christmas and holiday needs at Walmart. Flick, Schwartz, and Randy. All right, well, we are excited to have here in studio... Ian Petrella, who played Randy. Thank you. Scott Schwartz, who played Flick. Still alive. All good. <laughs> and R.D. Rob, who played Schwartz. Yep. Welcome, guys. Thank you for coming. Great. Thank you here. for having us. Yes. Yeah. Really cool. This is, this is fun. So great that you're doing this. <laughs> oh, thanks. It's this really has been cool. great. And I was, we were just saying, is this maybe the first time we've done an interview together? I think so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is Which cool, is right? crazy. First time I, don't think we've I mean, we did years. one when we were kids, obviously. Yeah, some junket stuff. But you yeah. guys buried the hatchet, and so this is cool. This exactly. Is, <laughs> right, yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Well, how much was Gene there? <clears throat> That's a him question. I saw Gene once, twice maybe. That was it. Do you oh, remember Gene? Gene was around. I remember, I remember Gene. Gene. Yeah, he didn't, I say, remember he didn't Gene. say five words to me. I what, remember him what being remember? around during, at like, in particular around, like, obviously during the Higbee's shoot when he was there. Right. What do you remember about him? There he is. Yeah. I remember seeing he and Bob go at it. All of yeah. oh, you. You know? Um, mm -hmm. And I remember that, I believe, if, my, if memory serves correctly, um, during the during the during either the flagpole or like around the, sometime during the classroom and the school stuff. Um, and I remember them and seeing them going at it like outside in the snow and having an arm. Having an argument about because Gene kept something. going over to Peter and 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 Bob was like, "Would you leave the kid alone, please?" No, no, go away. Would you leave oh, the was kid he giving alone? Giving you notes, he would come over. Probably. Yeah. You know. So I remember, um, I remember like when we were on stage in the house, Bob would go to the bathroom, Gene would come over to me and say, "You know, <laughs> do it like this, do it like this," and then Bob would come out and scream, "Get away from my actor!" <laughs> yeah. And then he'd go, "What did he tell you? What did he tell you?" But I have a theory on this. 
because I, I don't know, people have published that he was barred from set, barred right? From set for stuff and like that, that he was a quote problem, right, right? Right. But I put it in the category of he cared. Oh, absolutely. You know, yeah. they it's and Bob story. cared. Yeah. It's his story, mm-hmm. yeah. and I think, you know, when it's you get heart, labeled, like everything is difficult, yeah. and those things, it's because it matters to you. Mm-hmm. You know, they right. said that. Um, that Jordan documentary, they said he was difficult. Well, yeah, because winning is tough. Yeah, you know it yeah. takes yep. giving a shit <clears throat> right. to win. Well, you got and the, if that's what it is, and, and pushing they work everybody, everybody you have, around you. You have two creative minds working. You have the one who wrote the story, and this is his story, and then you have Bob, and this is his vision. And so there's always going to be you know yeah, conflict. I've, I've been there, and so right because right. of the WGA, I get to be on set a few days, and so. <laughs> Somewhat, you know, either I'm on it the whole time or you're just a visitor. Mm-hmm. You're a tourist. Right. Right. And so some of the guys don't care. I mean, with the Clint movies, he doesn't change anything. So it's a fun set to be on. The right. salmon is delicious. Yeah, that was a beautiful shot. And then you just <laughs> right. get the hell out of there. But on other things that aren't as simple and they're changing everything, yeah. the worst nightmares have the guy saying, that's not what I wrote. Yeah. Or um, God, that's terrible. And so. I get, I get that. Or we trying to elevate changes. it on the we day. That's what it was. But also in the detail, Beckett, and I remember Bob leaned on Gene for all of my swearing. Um, Gene wrote it. Uh, he scripted it out. And it was v- and they wanted me to be able to repeat it, to cover it from numerous angles. Um, and it was on note cards, and they gave it to me two weeks before I had to. It was very, very hard to learn. Was it phonetically laid out wow. or something? I remember oh, the beginning. Like no, not that. No, like when I was fighting the bully. You were doing the gibberish. Yeah, oh, the so gibberish. I remember. Right. It's so committed to memory. Bergen the beginning was Cradden, Rat, Stinkin', Hop, Puff, and Snogger. <laughs> and then I don't, I don't, <laughs> not, I don't, I don't remember the rest. Wow. But, but, you know, in that case, Bob went to Gene. Did they get along? I mean, af- they went on to do another movie, but do you remember, did they get along in the end? No. I think they did. I, they actually they they well, parted at the ways. End, they, yeah. yeah they after had, they had after, after my summer, summer story. Yeah, after yeah. my summer story. Oh really? Oh, I don't know. They they parted ways, yeah. and from what I heard is that Bob retained all the rights as far as the Parkers are concerned from when Ralphie is you know young up to I think about like fifteen, sixteen. That's right. And then Gene owns Ralphie and the Parkers from when you know he went into like the military and that that right. age. That's right. There's an interesting wow. separation of the rights. So um, is, I didn't know that Bob had weird that I didn't know that Bob that Ralph Bob, was a kid. Yeah, owned those rights. It's like splitting up the point. family in a weird way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, right. The thing that I mean, what I remember, somebody asked uh, Gene to hand him a big pen and said, "Can you describe this for me?" And it was 20 minutes later, and Gene was still describing a big pen. I'll never forget it. It was just wow. off That's camera, how good off he was at just vamping. Yeah, and just like he was a master of the English language. I want to talk about Bob a little bit because I've read you've been posting a little bit. You talked about kids. He let kids be kids. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Sort of a directing style and how he allowed a camaraderie with us. Yeah. I mean, I felt like he gave us the space, especially the three of us, to like bond. And I remember he kept... Zach and Yano away from us. That's right. Because he wanted and to be scared of them. He, right, right, exactly. Scott Park is in Grover. Grover Dell. Right, right. Yeah. But he wanted the three of us to have, you know, this friendship since birth. And so he did, you know, yeah, he did everything he could uh, and to give us the space to, and he was like, always encouraged us to play and, you know, like hang out, um, whether it's, you know, Throwing, uh, <laughs> throwing no, we were throwing, throwing snowballs, like balloons and off the water roof balloons. Of the, uh... Was it the Stouffer's Hotel? Yes, yep. it was a high rise hotel. <laughs> it was a I mean, hotel. what else did we play? Ding, ding dong ditch in the hotel. <laughs> yes, Frogger and Pac Man. We had it right. at the deli in uh, down below Higby's in the subway. Did you play on the slide in Higby's? No, because cool. I remember. I don't know if you remember, but I was, I was, I was terrified of that. Right, so there's this other bucket of Bob that's kind of cool where he wanted to yeah. either reveal things for the first time <laughs> on camera or do things for the first time on camera. You want to talk about the slide? Yeah, uh, I, I did not like the slide. It was very... You know, How old were you at the time? I was eight. Eight, okay. Did yeah. he keep you off it? No. He, he wanted me to go down it, but as soon as he... He thought that I would have fun, obviously. Right. But then once he saw that I was terrified of it, 
that's when he decided we're going to go with that. Uh, <laughs> you know? That's right. the color that, we'll, that we're right. playing. So when I'm coming down the slide and I'm screaming and crying, <laughs> that's that's him going, send him down. Cut print. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and But after a while, oh, then he would great. let us play on it. I remember that. Right. And then I got used to the slide and I liked it. So I went back to him and I said, hey, you know, I'm not scared anymore. Can we do it? And he's like, no, nah, we got it. <laughs> we want to do it. We so want you terrified. No. Were your parents with you or how did that work? Your mom was with you. My mom, yeah. yeah. We didn't work that night, but we came to set that night. Okay, that's and what I remember. We, yes, yeah. we came to set that night and, and I remember playing on it and well, going for, down off, for yeah. everybody else that, as yeah. much as I could. Our, <laughs> the hotel was connected yeah. to oh, Higby's. All we had to do, we just had a walkway. Yeah, yeah. Let's take a look. Let's put on our headphones and watch this. So this is a very (laughs) real moment that Bob wanted to capture. Uh oh! Get him out of here! Yeah, that's real. (laughs) And then watch the tears here. I know. (laughs) (laughs) That's That's amazing. (laughs) But you got over it, like it would get over. Oh yeah, I I got over it. But you know, it's it's. Probably after you went down that that time, you were like, "Oh, I survived." Okay. Yeah, I tried it I again, and this. I was like, "Hey, this is kind of fun." But right. I mean, even as a kid, I mean, I I didn't really like roller coasters as a kid, and I think that's what it was, is because that thing it was so steep that yeah. you would get that you know you'd get that feeling in your gut, and that's what I didn't like. I but I there was an attention to detail. I couldn't with get that. enough of that slide. Yeah. Do you remember? I was so bummed it. I wasn't in that scene. And, and I think to to get these reactions, I know he did it in the Chinese restaurant. This reaction from Melinda. But I remember that day. Yeah. Is, here, oh, let's it's amazing. watch yeah. this. And I think this is sort of in the other, in this category of just preserving things that you can't right, right. recapture after the first take. <laughs> just the look. Mm. <laughs> With the duck. And then and this then, next and then moment. That, right. But it, yeah, it's, it's wonderful. It's, 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 I mean, all of us. I don't think we'd seen this until it was brought out. Uh, <coughs> what? It, it's smiling at me. <laughs> that scream. I mean, it's so real. And the jump. And I mean, so and the, yeah, the yeah. jump. Her, physically, she's, yeah. her whole body goes. That's great. It's it's this interesting attention to detail, and we've been talking mm-hmm. about on a low budget how you execute these things, right? Mm-hmm. So one of them is if you you're trying to capture these real things in a take, you're doing it for the first time, but also the flagpole scene, which was kind of iconic. I'm sure I've asked you. It's all natural. A hundred times more than me. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to to play it. Um, and just sort of talk about how mm-hmm. this was executed because again, this just goes in the bucket of we don't have a lot of money, but if you don't believe it, right? And if it doesn't look like it. it's real, the oh, scene's yeah. not going to work. Does not yeah. work. The whole build Absolutely. up to this and the daring, all the front loading of the daring, you've got to sell it, and it's no, there's no visual effects to do it. No, right? Yeah, and the rest of the country went. How did they do that? Did oh, he really yeah. to this day? That is the, the number one question. Yeah. Of his tongue or, or did he really have to do it? Right? Did, were yeah. you really stuck? Was it a fake tongue? Yeah. Was it, oh, God, was it exactly? Oh, I get it. And so I weird. get those questions about it. You right? Know? How did that happen? How do they do that? Scott, you want to explain how this is executed? So this is actually a uh, a real pole, but there's a piece of plastic over it. There's actually the split is right above where the cord is. So that's that's plastic. Exchange and nuance of phrase in this ritual is very important. <laughs> Are you kidding? Stick my tongue to that stupid pole, that's dumb. And this is all set up. I mean, all this right again to the point that if you're gonna have this heavy setup. Oh, you gotta, it's gotta, you gotta pay gotta off. Sell it. You gotta oh, sell yeah. it. A double dog dare. What else was left but a triple dare you? And finally, the coup de grace of all dares. The sinister triple dog dare. I triple dog dare you. So, all right. So, explain what's going on here. That's a fake pull. It's it's a piece of plastic. Yeah. It's cold. (laughs) Well, go on, smartass, and do it. It's twenty to twenty-four below, and it's freezing. Hole in the pole. It's just out of frame. It's it's inside, between the fake plastic and And the real pole. It was like that. It was like it's the size of your pinky nail. Yeah. Okay. And so and there's the hole, and they turn the suction on. Yeah. So it's it the just, mini vacuum cleaner. Right. You put your hand on it. So a little pressure you can I remember pull it we, off. I remember we cut one time and they left you on there. 
<laughs> Did it hurt at all? No. No. I mean, there were takes when I popped off the pole, you know, just trying to extend my tongue too far, and it just popped off. So now, of course, just, this, it goes sideways. This is the second time we shot it. Because the first time we shot it, they underdeveloped the film. And we had to go back and do it again, if you remember. I don't remember that. I didn't yep. remember that. Is that yep. true? Yeah. yeah. So there I was a negative. This is no, back. we were there a couple days longer because we had to go back and do it again. So this is back when we used film. You had to develop it. And if there was an error, you yeah. lost yeah. it. Yeah. The, the new lab in Toronto underdeveloped the film. And Bob came to me. He says, well, I got good news and bad news. The good news is you're here an extra three days. And the bad news is we got to go back and do it again. They underdeveloped the film. Didn't and none of it worked? No, it was all the whole thing. Screen test. I had read that you guys had auditioned for each other's parts and had tr and played each other's parts. Just yes. To, to, yes. We did. You're saying no. You're he saying says that. he wasn't. He at says the screen he wasn't. Test. But you he was the at the screen test. test in Canada because I was reading for Flick. I know. And we, we did this mix and match. We thing. did a mix and match. 100%. Exactly. Were you there? Exactly. I don't. Yeah. I don't really remember. I remember. Sitting down for a, a, a table read, and we all were. were that's when, all that's when you had the part. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, but, but that was after we were. The fact. We were. Yes, right. No. In the studio. Yes, you were. You were with us. I was in Tucson, Arizona, until the eleventh of De of December. Okay, this is a little kid details. <laughs> so how would you play? When you lie, Wednesday. You use details. The following <laughs> Wednesday, which. It which was, was 6.44 in the morning. It was a brisk <laughs> 59, 58 no, degrees. Because, because he said on the audition, this? I'm like, no, I was in Tucson finishing Kidco on that weekend. On four days later, I came home. He was a big star already. And he was a big star. And, and, and the toy just come gig. out. And I went to see Bob. You were doing Hershey chocolate commercials. And he was uh, almost <laughs> offer only. Scott was. <laughs> yeah. yeah, my one movie, right? <laughs> how, how would you have played Ralphie had you got that part that you don't remember? But you remember everything. Else. I did not audition for Ralphie. I know that. I only auditioned. I didn't audition for anything. I went in and I talked. You to were Bob just for, straight off for fifteen. No, he I talked to Bob like for fifteen he, minutes. He's just combing your hair. One. He goes. <laughs> I didn't have lunch. <laughs> All right, babe. You want to go, go for a hot dog? We went downstairs in Manhattan. So had a hot dog and a Pepsi. True? Yes. <laughs> I came back upstairs. I came back upstairs. Your hot dog and your Pepsi. He said thanks. It was nice to meet you. Right. And then two weeks later, a month later, he threw. He flew you to Canada. Five minutes later. I was at my agent's office, and she said, "What did oh, you do?" Oh, by I the way, you got it. You like, <laughs> I don't know what to do. Of course, I did. Oh, all Bob wanted to do was hot dogs. No, we were I did nothing. We were no okay, so and I thought I was Ralphie. They sent me the script. They never told me I was Flick. So I You're learned all of Ralphie. <laughs> then we got to Canada for the read through, which was the screen. Which test. was the screen test, Scott? That's we, what the screen yes, test. The was. screen test was, and in we did a mix and match. And all I can tell you was, my father was sitting behind me, and they and. Bob said to me, you're flick. Because it was okay. literally like a month or so after the screen test, maybe longer that we finally went to Cleveland. That's right. Okay, yeah. so let us tell yeah. our... Okay, well, so Scott, I know you were offer only and you got the gig and that's fantastic. <laughs> you were buffing your nails and right. you're like, all right, babe, sure, I'll do your stupid yeah, little movie. Okay, okay our version of the story is movie. we had to go to Canada for these, and we had all done these by this point, these mixed match chemistry. Yeah, yeah. Super nerve-wracking. They always... Tell you now, if we ask you to leave early, right? Don't it does, worry, it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything, it doesn't mean anything, <laughs> and it means everything. everything. But we yeah. know, we know what it means oh. when you're sent home. Are you like, fuck the first time? You're like, oh, don't worry, it doesn't mean anything. Right. You get savvy enough, <laughs> you're like, I ain't getting that part. But we had to mix and match and do Flick and Schwartz and I, and they just do these yep. round robins. And so there were other kids the, there, there were a lot of other there were kids a lot there. of other you're kids exactly there. Right. So we remember this. Maybe we weren't we weren't drinking. I'm the <laughs> oldest one who is not a drinker or a drug addict, and I don't remember any. All I remember was sitting at the read through, and they went, "Scotty, you're Fleck," and I went, "What?" I remember putting his feet I, up in his agent's office. I still want to know for old babe. Well, I want to know how you would have improved on if you were Ralphie. That's a fair question. Sure, I don't think I could have. Oh come on, honestly, it would have been different because we're we have different styles, and Bob would have. What would your style have been? Not as. Here we go. Here we go. Oh, boy. Here it it's comes. your chance. It's your chance. No, no. Listen, I believe that everybody is supposed to get a particular role. Okay. Okay, let's stop being play. How would you have done you it? You know. You would have been last year about to say it. Probably not as good as you did it. Oh, no. But, I would have been different. Mine right. would have been probably more humorous, and that was not what Bob wanted for Ralphie. 
That's why I ended up slick. So you're saying I'm not funny. That's what I'm hearing. That's yeah. what it no, sounds that's, like. I'm not saying that. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you went there. No, I said more. Lasting impact. Can you tell us a little bit about how the original film changed your life? Well, um, you know, I think that for me, I had I had only really done theater before that. And um, theater, it, theater. Blame is on Broadway. And, um, I saw it. It was great. That was after, but um, <laughs> but before that, and a small bit part in in Blowout. And this was like, this was a huge thing for me. And I I remember I was like, months of callbacks and like you know it was a long process. Um, but coming out of this, uh, you know, I felt like, oh, I I can, I can really do this, you know, and. Um, it gave me this, this bug to want to have a life in this, in this business. And even to the point, you know, where I think it was the first time being with, with, with Bob and really watching how at a young age still, but really watching how a film gets made. And, you know, I ended up going to film school and, you know, directing and producing. And so it, kind of informed my life as far as a, a career in every way. Very cool. Scott? To me, of if you would have asked me this question in the beginning of 84, you know, when the, right after the film had come out, the toy was first because it was uh, Gleason and Pryor, Jackie Gleason and Richard Pryor. Then I did Kid Co. for 20th Century Fox, which I was the star in. The whole poster is me. Okay, fine. Christmas Story... I got a little roll, you know, no name on the poster, no nothing, whatever. And I'm just know, this, this thrown up kind that. of thing. When your agent's office, you're like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. Okay. And it was I'll like, it. if it fits on the schedule. <laughs> exactly. So it was like, of the three films, if you would have said, which one is going to last, you know, and be the one that's going to be the one, there's no way. This was winning a lottery. That's what this was. This was hitting jackpot, you know. Uh, I mean, when we did the read-through, I asked Bob, hey, are you sure about this, the flick guy? You know, because, I mean, I'm the lead in this movie. I'm the lead in this. He says, oh, no, you're flick. You're going to be great. Don't worry about the size of the role, but what you make out of it. Mm, good advice. That's mm -hmm. what he said. Yeah. Great then advice. we do the poll yeah. scene, and he gives me almost no direction. I said, what do you want me to do? Do what comes natural. You work with Richard Pryor, for God's sakes. Do whatever comes natural. If I don't like it, I'll tell you. So I use that expression a lot. Just... Just be natural. Yeah. Just be natural. That yeah, was it. Just that. So all the yeah. stuff that Just, I did yeah. was all improvised and everything else. He's like, okay, that was good. Give me more. And then, no, no, you did it right. Okay. And I mean, at the end of the day, you know, all of us become, like I said, you know, icons. You're on a Monopoly board and a lunchbox and action figures and all this crap. And we're in the it's, Library of Congress. Yeah. Nobody would have ever thought. It right? really wasn't until, I would say, like after the 20th anniversary that it started to have more of an impact. You know, it's a marathon. As far yeah. as being, can I ask in the you guys movie. a question? Because I remember, and maybe I'm off here, but I remember <clears throat> that MGM pretty much dumped this movie. Right? They put it out. They didn't really, they didn't support really it a support lot, it right? that yeah. much. Nothing. But it kind of had, you know, word of mouth and a life of its own at the time, where. I remember, because my mother was a manager, so we would get the trade papers, and I remember it would say, like, you know, the numbers, and it would say, you know, the s sleeper hit of the season and whatever. Sleeper, because no one expected it to do what yeah, it did. Yeah, I think did. it did three it times its multiple did, or right. over with no support. It still wasn't gangbusters. No, back then, but it was way bigger than anyone thought it was R going for to sure. be. For sure. But it got it good was reviews. Early, in, early indication. Yeah. It got good reviews. Yeah. yeah. Siskel and Ebert, I... You know, they gave it a good review. And they mm -hmm. even said, I think it was, uh, you know, it was uh, um, Ebert. He said, this is a good movie. He says, unfortunately, you know, I don't think a lot of people are going to get it, but it is a good movie. Mm. Right. So I saw him about a month later after the film came out at... Um, Ebert? Yes. At the deli at um, uh, on 56th and 7th. Uh, okay. At, at the Carnegie. Dad and I were sitting there and he came in to get a sandwich and he saw me, walked over. He said... You're a great Christmas story. That's a wonderful little film you got there. Congratulations. Hmm. Thank you. Wow. Nice. That was that. And then cool. th the second biggest compliment I guess you could ever get. Uh, Today, being here. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Sorry. Okay. So then the third. Uh, I was in Chicago doing a uh, radio show, The Man Cow Show. 
and he wanted me to go and talk to the Bulls guys, Michael Jordan and Dennis Rodman. He seemed to, couldn't get them, and I had met Rodman, whatever. And come to find out that Michael Jordan is a Christmas Story fanatic. He had the VHS tape in his locker and took it on the road really? with him. Yeah. yeah, he was. I got to yeah. meet him one time. He, was he did impressions. He, he quite, did the whole tongue in the pole He thing. was awesome and very complimentary of the movie, and it was yeah. cool to meet him. Wow. Yeah. Go figure. That's amazing. That's really cool. Touches yeah. a lot. It's interesting because you just, you know, Good. it goes with that icon thing. Like, you just never know who, you know. No, the fact is that, that all this has happened, this is beyond, you know, anything you could think of. Right. All fans. <laughs> so... Tom Hanks, <clears throat> monster fan. Tom and Rita, monster fans. You have to. Screens. He's, he's the screener for the bunnies. Of course. And a friend of mine, Richard Van. I've known and some you of the didn't kid. invite us. Nope. Never got an invite. <laughs> but they showed it at the house. Yeah. And then so I guess lastly, um, in addition to what we just said, is like how does this continue to affect your lives? I know you've touched on it, but Well, we're coming up on the fortieth, and I think that's gonna be yeah. a big thing. And you know, I think Peter's joining us for a few events next year. And we may be doing more work as Ralphie, Randy, Flick, Scott Farkas, Grover Dill if this thing goes over the way it started. You know, I wouldn't bother me at all. Yeah, I think it's, it'd be great. It's I don't really... think we're going back to Bulgaria, <laughs> but it wouldn't bother me. I don't know. I don't mind. Um, it's it's the, the whole, not even just being a movie, but now what it is, is just kind of blown up into like, so it's like, it's just mushroomed you know, into this whole new experience because now it's not just a movie. I mean, it's a marathon. It's, you know, a tradition. Mm -hmm. um, it's, you know, trying to like balance it out. You know, well, there's we're only... Part, we're yeah. part of people's lives now. Right. We've now become the like, they're, we're like the cousins that they never get to see, but then we're on TV and they invite us over for dinners. Scotty, what are you doing Thanksgiving? What are you doing for Christmas? Hey, you want to come over with the family? Dude, I met you once at a show. You want to invite me over? Oh no, my mother loves you. I, you know. Oh yeah, I it's, would get it. I would get invited insane. over to people's houses for yeah. Christmas all mm -hmm. the time. Especially when I was, you know, in, in in Cleveland, I didn't have any family. People would always say, "Oh, you know, well, you're more than welcome to come to my house." I'm like, no, no, no. Nobody invited me. I don't either. know your last name. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not. No, I know what's gonna happen. <laughs> it's mom, dad, it's really aunts, uncles, cousins, brothers, sisters. The whole thing. It, oh, yeah. You just become an extension because you are there all day. Yeah. <clears throat> right. Or they, yeah. you, the, the, the one thing about these characters that I find is that what, what's almost different about other characters is, you know, you, you watch a movie and sometimes you, you see a character and he's very, you know, that person's her are heroic. So you idolize them. You know, you want to emulate them. Where these characters are people that, they relate to them. They know somebody like, oh, that's my dad. That's my mom. That's my friend. Those are my two sure, buddies that right. I grew up. No, they're definitely relatable. You remind me of my little brother. Or my my son does that thing with the mashed potatoes that that you do. You know, they so we relate to them as opposed to they look up to us. And right. that's one of the they things. They feel like it's, yeah. Yeah. it's you. Well, guys, I can't. Thank you enough for coming in and talking about this. Yeah, no problem. Very cool for me. This, yeah, this is great. To sit in deep. This is just the tip of the this. iceberg that we all talk about. Uh, too. It, it, you know? it <laughs> I know, but it's very cool to get a chance to be yeah, together. Yeah, so thank great. you guys for coming on the show. Thank you, and and uh, thank you for the gift of this, you know, this new film. Nick, who doesn't love free TV? Literally no one. Yeah, especially around the holidays, right? Everyone loves TV yeah. around the holidays. Well, while you might know that Vizio has TVs with the highest picture quality. Did you know that they have this free streaming service called Watch Free Plus? I did not. Yep. You just connect your TV and it's right there with hundreds of free streaming channels. And it's like having cable, but it's free. Like free free. It's free. Like free. And apparently they even have a channel that plays 24 straight hours of Christmas movies. I think a lot of people would like that. So you can get all this done from one TV that's Vizio. Capturing the era. about selling the period, like 1940s, I was flying somewhere and a flight attendant came up to me and said, oh boy, you really look like someone from, uh, that. you look like Ralphie from A Christmas Story. And I said, oh. Um, and she said, but you couldn't be because that movie was shot in 1940. And I thought, oh, kudos to the filmmaking team. They really <laughs> sold it. I mean, they sold it. And this, you see the decorations here I mean, this stuff is expensive to do and certainly more expensive than the budget we had. So downtown Cleveland 
we shot this, I think, in January. They kept the decorations up for us, which was really cool. Yeah, they rolled City out the red did. carpet, right? Yeah. And then look at the amount of... The vehicles. Of old cars. And you know this from, like, the transportation budget. You know, each one of these cars would be a line item in the budget if you requested it. And Absolutely. it would be astronomical because the transportation department would have to source it from somewhere. So what do you do when you can't afford cars? Bob called local car clubs. So these cool, like, old-school car clubs where right. people meet, and he said, bring your car out. We're filming this night. We'll get it in the movie. Hang out. And so throngs of these cars showed up. Do you so know genius. Uh, do you know what's funny about that is that's what – and they had a good budget, but that's what Clint did on uh, – Clint Eastwood did on The Mule. Really? Because they, when they were at the drug dealer's mansion right. and there's Lamborghinis and this and that and all that, he just called the local car guys. And they could hardly wait to have their car in a movie. That's the point. And then they right. all got a picture with Clint. He didn't promise him that, but he's like, hey, you know. Right. And so Absolutely. their movies in a their their cars in a movie forever. Coming of age. Let's talk about this this sort of idea of coming of age for Ralphie. Because I, I think there's a lot of moments in this movie um, that maybe aren't directly related to the gun, right? Specifically, but they're part of these part of the journey to seeing our coming you of age take, yeah right and him getting slightly different phases of life getting older and so the first thing we're going to talk about is swearing he said the mother of all curse words yep the queen mother of dirty words the f dash 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 word what did you say you know we get the sense is the first time he said that the dad rats him out we have a picture of him with the soap in his mouth which by the way was wax a lot of people have asked me was that really soap? It was a bar of wax. Again, just a sort of intelligent use of how do you create things on a small budget that makes sense. But here's what I think is really interesting. You want to watch it first? Yeah, let's do, take down. a look. Okay, Absolutely. let's take a look at the bully scene with Ralphie. What, are you going to cry now? Come on, cry, baby. Cry for me. Come on, cry. <laughs> Deep in the recesses of my brain, a tiny red hot little flame began to grow. <laughs> Something had happened. A fuse blew, and I had gone out of my skull. Right in the bread basket. I'm telling my dad. I have since heard of people under extreme duress speaking in strange tongues. Come on. We're going home. Come on. And to me, what's interesting is what she doesn't do. Mm -hmm. She never once looks at Scott. She only looks at you. And I think this things have changed. Like if this happened now, Scott's full of blood. She never looks at him. If it was now, <laughs> she'd get him a juice box. They'd get the therapist in here. Let's all talk right. about this. Because I'll tell people this. Like she never looks at him. And when they, someone will call me a, like a week later and go, she never looked at him. You're right. Because I think that's so interesting. Well, she cares about her kid. Yeah, yeah. and it's just whatever. Kids beat each other up. It's that's not right. a big deal. And this is another kind of coming-of-age gauntlet. You know, you up until this moment, he's run, coward, yep. hid. You run, you know, even the, the director chose to show it in fast motion, <laughs> you know, sprinting comically away from it. And here in this moment, you know, it's it's symbolic of adulthood. You stand up to... Yeah, he, threat. he beat the, he slayed the dragon. And I think the leg lamp too. This also to me was always kind of another test for Ralphie. Yeah, well, it, 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 it's a, a leg, you know, like in a statue. Now this moment here, yeah, look at statue. Ralphie's reaction. Yeah, statue. Ralphie? Uh, My mother was trying to insinuate herself between us and the statue. It's almost oh, like so Ralphie couldn't help it. His hand was on autopilot. You see Ralphie is... You know, either instinctually, he's going up to touch it, right? This leg doesn't have cooties anymore. Right. It's not it's, a girl's it, leg with cooties. This is something that is to be, 
you know, touched and explored. And it's just, even like just this introduction of sexuality, Randy's repulsed by it. He's frightened by it. He he's still, he's still little, right? He's still a kid. And Ralphie's just at that point where he wants to lean into it. Right. So we clicked off a couple of things towards adulthood here. Two dreamers. He's, you know, recognized an opportunity and being able to write a theme, right? Now, all the other kids are groaning, but Ralphie sees opportunity where others don't. Absolutely. The theme is what I want for Christmas. Ha ha. The clouds have parted, it says. He's got a chance to declare once again what he wants. Red Rider be begun with a compass in the stock and this thing which tells time. <sighs> Poetry. Now, the old man, who is very similar to Ralphie, I think, in the sense that he has that dreamer-like quality too. Absolutely. And so his version is just a little bit more adult. You know, he's, you know, he's a, a grown-up person, but he still has that kind he's, of that, he's looking for something a little bit. Yeah. That's right. The puzzles, the crosswords, you get a sense that he's looking for some validation, some victory. Right. Outside. Maybe he had a dream that didn't work out and there's still a little thread, a little, there's still a little life in that. And somewhat of mocking of the mom who doesn't believe in these. She said, was another one of your stupid puzzles? Yeah, well, this one just might get me something great. He wins. And he wins a prize. He doesn't know what it is. I won this! I won! I won! I won! I won! A major prize! A major prize! I won! I won! I won! Look at that! Look at that! A Western Union telegram! Tonight, tonight! is coming tonight! Tonight, tonight, tonight! Hot damn the night! It's a major award. It's a major award. He, it, yeah, and to him, it's it's huge. It's it's uh, that's a big win. And I love how, that he calls it that, because I think that's how he sees it. You know, he says, "Hey, I did it. I did something. This is a major award." He doesn't give a shit what it is. Right. It's yeah, symbolic, it, could, it, could right? it doesn't matter what. He's gonna love it because it's representative of he did something. He achieved something outside of his daily grind. The snap of a few sparks, a quick whiff of ozone, and the lamp blazed forth in unparalleled glory. Oh, look at that! Will you look at that? Isn't that glorious? It's, 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 it's indescribably beautiful. It reminds me of the 4th of July. Turn off all the lights. I want to see what it looks like in the street. Lost forever. So I know we've, we've talked sometimes about audience testing on this podcast, where... You present the movies to audiences, recruited audiences, you pass out cards, you get feedback, and this can be very helpful to Absolutely. filmmakers. It can give indications of how audiences are feeling about specific things, characters, elements of the movies. You can push back against the studios who might want to, which we have touched on before. They, that's right. Because when people are laughing and really enjoying something, that's that just shuts down that note. That's right. And I think if you know how to to really read the tea leaves with this stuff, it can be enormously helpful. It's certainly been very helpful to us over the years. There's a lot of movies that, that we've worked on and done. And I had asked Bob Clark about it on this one um, because there were some scenes that we had shot that weren't in the movie. And he said, um, through the testing process, audiences were liking the movie. We got a good response. But he said the hardest thing to get right were the fantasy sequences. Right. And I think that they were fatter and, you know, it's just, it's it's a challenging thing, this little kid dreaming of these sort of wild scenarios, all stylized. In one scene that we shot, um, that is not in the final movie, is um, another fantasy sequence. And it involved Flash Gordon, and we're looking at a photo of this that I think you guys can find online. So another old-timey kind of, uh, I mean, look of at the this. time. Now, this, you want to know where the budget of the movie went, ironically, to this scene? Really? And it's cut from the movie. On of a, course. We were in Toronto. We had the house built on one stage. In another full stage, they built this space rock set. And Flash Gordon is pinned down by his nemesis, Ming the Merciless, um, who has him in his sights. And along comes Ralphie in um, a spacesuit that I was very self-conscious to wear. This was the, the Star Wars shorts. at the time. <laughs> this right? was the Star Wars Flash Gordon, yeah. Mean Merciless. Completely. And I'm there with Old Blue, my Red Rider rifle, and of course I save this big superhero from the villain. You saved Luke Skywalker. That's right. Um, so it just was another fantasy, and you know where I think it came was 
in the classroom because if you see me in the classroom, I do one of these. Where right. I look up and they irised on me and went out. And I think that's exactly where it was cut. A lot of people said it looks like there's a missing sequence. But he said this one crossed the line. He said audience was like, all right, look, I get it. The Western thing, I get it, the, the blind guy, but you've gone too far. And interestingly, it's the only one that's outside of the house. So I right. think keeping them contained to his world seemed to work. And Bob said that um, this one was the one that was too far, and even though it was super expensive and, and an entertaining scene. Uh, the sadness is it's gone forever because- That is a shame. This was before DVDs and like everyone doing featurettes and deleted scenes. So they just threw out the negative. Out. I know, it's a bummer. Yeah, so it's, it's gone. Uh, Only in the memories, some photos, and I think the script pages have started to circulate. Santa, Dad, and unexpected turns. He'll go to this mythical, magical, mentor-like figure and make his case to him. Ask the shaman. Listen, little boy, we've got a lot of people waiting here, so get going. How about a nice uh, football? 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 What's a football? Without conscious will, my voice squeaked out. Football. Okay, get him out of here. A football? Oh, no. Okay, what was I doing? Wake up, is. stupid. Wake up. No. No, no, I want an official red undercover, and I should do it if you my lead rifle. You'll shoot your eye out, kid. Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. Even the shaman doesn't believe in you. Even the shaman doesn't believe you're ready and kicks you out of the tent and says, go back to your mother. You're not ready. Right. But Ralphie is relentless. He's gone through this gauntlet. We've seen him vanquish the bully and we've seen him go through all these steps. And I think that he's really on his way here. So there is a second meeting of the mentor in this movie. You know, this wine's not bad. It's not good either, but he wants it. Yeah. No, you don't. Oh. Did you have a nice Christmas? Yeah, pretty nice. Yeah, did you get everything you wanted? Mm, almost. <laughs> almost, huh? Mm. Well, that's, that's, that's life. Well, there's always next Christmas. Yeah. Mm. Hey, that's funny. What's that over there behind the desk? Where? We had the desk against the wall over there. Uh, do, do you not load it? Yeah. Yeah? That's right. Oh, it was beautiful. I could hardly wait to try it out. Can I can I try it out, Ma? Can I? Okay. But outside. Oh, I still say those things are dangerous. And out he goes. So, and I think I say it's a second mentor. Right. In that it's his dad. He's similarly a dreamer. And he's, you know, he's guiding. Right? He's not doing it for him. Right. He says, do you know how to do it? Okay. Careful. He's watching. He's observing. He's nudging. He's gently guiding. It's really interesting because that you know Ralphie's gone to a place where he's not whining, complaining anymore. Do you think if if Ralphie had was complaining about things, his dad would have let him find that gun? Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe it is the final test, right? I mean, moments before he says, "Do you want some wine?" Right. Ralphie says yes. I guess another box checked on the journey of he says he's basically ready. He's he's ready to start boozing, so he's <laughs> right. ready. Yeah, he's ready to well. move into adulthood. Who stops in the mom? Uh uh-uh, uh, not yet. And maybe that is too far but it's another reach towards adulthood. Um, and the dad says, are you okay with not getting everything you wanted? And he kind of says, um, yeah. And he's sort of resigned. And then the dad makes a decision to activate it in that moment. So right. maybe he, it he, is he, a he, final test. Yeah, he rewards him here, I think, in that moment. And I, th I do think he was testing him perhaps that whole time. And also, uh, the old man is the only one Ralphie did not ask for the BB gun. The end's in sight. Where is it? Some people would say, all right, well, he said at the beginning of the movie, I want a BB gun for Christmas. It's Christmas Day, and he got a BB gun. End of the movie, right? Roll credits, swap, sw swing the music, here we go. Yep. Um, maybe it is end of conflict, or maybe it's not. Maybe it's not. Okay, Black Bart, now you get yours. <laughs> 
I shot my eye out. You'll shoot your eye out, kid. You'll shoot your eye out. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> it's like the movie continues. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's hard to say that is not a tension scene, that there is still conflict afoot. You right, know, your heart's kind of racing as he's about to fire this thing. We're all thinking, "Oh no, what's going to happen?" The music, everything—it's suspenseful. So he conjures up some tears to avoid losing his rifle. If he gets caught, that rifle's gone. It broke my glasses. <laughs> I'm trying to get out of the way. Oh, see, it's just a little bump. Oh, see. You're lucky it didn't cut your eye. Those icicles have been known to kill people. But what about my glasses? Well, you can wear the old ones with the crack in them until we get you some new ones. Okay. I had pulled it off. And you can certainly argue we've finally reached the end of conflict. The end of conflict. <laughs> what does he do in the scene? He... He learns how to keep that gun. It's like he's not going right. to lose it. And the other thing about that is until you cut yourself with your Swiss Army knife once, you're not going to do it again. And so he's not going to screw up again. He's going to be careful about this. He's not going to lose. He's not going to jeopardize that gun. But interestingly in this movie, there is more tension to come. We are not ready to hit resolve. There is There's more. something very tense and conflict-ridden about to happen. Um I guess we gotta we take gotta a look go at this. Go back to the yes, show. the conflict continues. The heavenly aroma still hung heavy in the house, but it was gone, all gone. No turkey, no turkey sandwiches, no turkey salad, no turkey gravy, turkey hash, turkey a la king, or gallons of turkey soup, gone, all gone. <laughs> Everybody upstairs, get dressed. We are going out to eat. Finally. Finally. <laughs> things are done. Um, the conflict is over in this movie. Everything that goes wrong is a challenge to him. And so right. I will take this and turn this around. And that's what's so great about him. It's something that we tried to, a quality that we tried to draw off of for Ralphie in the sequel and something that Darren played so well and is such a great quality of him. I mean, talk about the worst thing that could happen. I mean, literally dogs come and eat your dinner. Right, and this is Stealing. all he wanted, really. This is all he wanted was tracking. There's also not a family that's wealthy. Yeah. Um, but he knows it's Christmas, and he takes them out to dinner, and they dress up in their best. He's going to fix this And they this go problem. out, and finally, as we get into that Chinese restaurant, we start moving into even a shift in the voiceover that they made lemonade out of lemons. Yep. Um, they called it Chinese turkey. Yep. Resolution. Oh, is that beautiful? Oh. Finally, there's resolution and it's harmony, it's peace. The parents are at peace in front of the tree as the snow just drops out perfectly. They've buried the hatchet. You have, you know, someone of the Christmas miracle, and there is a calmness in the house unlike we've ever seen. Next to me in the blackness lay my oil blue steel beauty. The greatest Christmas gift I had ever received or would ever receive. As my good buddy Vince would say, this movie's an anteater in that it's kind of unique on its own. And there are people that have discussed this movie and debated it. And the arguments are kind of in different spots of where the start of conflict is, where the end of conflict is. We've proposed some, I think good arguments as to it being later than most people see it, which is just Christmas morning, he gets the gun, it's over. It's not. You can feel the tension yeah, this is in a, the movie as it, as it continues and goes on. It's a complicated animal. It's a different animal. It's unique um, from beginning to end, and I think this is really why this stands out. All the things that maybe made people say, we don't want to make this movie, this uniqueness of voiceover, this episodic quality, um, this maybe unrelatability of a BB gun is actually what makes it genius. All the qualities that people avoided in it is what makes it kind of so awesome and so different. Maybe in some ways, you know, the ultimate lesson is 
you know, sometimes the most special things are the things that are different and don't fit into the box. Without a doubt. This, I mean, it's, it's not a cliche. This is one for the ages. Well, I enjoyed breaking it down with you. Um, another thank you to RD, Ian, and Scott for coming in. That was pretty great for me to be able to to move through the movie and the experiences and the history of 39 years with them. It's great to have all this backstory with all you guys, and then um, just I'm glad to be here. This was great. This was awesome. Well, Merry Christmas to you, Merry my Christmas. Friend. Merry Christmas to all, and to all a good night. Yeah, looking forward to the next one. Thanks for tuning in. Mm-hmm.